There was one of the best submission grappling tournaments I've seen in a really long time. I might even use some recency bias and say greatest of all time, especially if I'm throwing out some chael credits. Submission Underground 15, I think. I forget which number we're at. There was a UFC. Curtis Blades uh, really feeling a little slighted, which means it's time for Verbal Tap, the show that proves fighting way easier from outside the cage. I am your host, Kevin, with me, of course, Rafa Sparza. Raf, Submission Underground was amazing. We did a live broadcast for like eight hours. How are you doing? Have you recovered? Yeah, uh, I think mostly. I think the hard part about doing it is there was the broadcast on Saturday that happened for a good while. And then I got, you know, to the point where it was fun. And I was watching Third Coast Grappling's Guy Kumite, and it was okay. Not the best. Is that the one Tackett was in also? No, I don't yes. think Tackett was in that one. Okay, no. I'm just trying, I, between him and Jake Watson, it's hard to figure out who's fighting in which one. It's like they're they're in every event pretty much, but I couldn't. Okay, thank you. Um, but yeah, that last hour of watching that, I, I think I was pretty much saying on air, "Hey everybody, we're sticking around until this thing's done." So, you know, that's don't go anywhere. How those fights were the fights drug on a, a scotch, including the main event. Well, let's jump into UFC. You and I aren't aren't huge on the recap um, for for events that maybe we don't feel like had that type of that that deeper impact. Ooh, deep impact! Fun movie reference on accident. <laughs> um, Armageddon's, you know, <laughs> Backstreet Boys in sync <laughs> situation. So Curtis Blades tackles his opponent. We're going to talk some submission underground. I want to get an update kind of from you on where wrestling is because you were saying some interesting stuff beforehand, not not necessarily interesting good, but like uh, revisiting the first part of the Andre the Giant documentary. These fights were long. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it right now except for, and let's start with Jim Miller. Let's start with him. Because that submission was effing amazing. He does an arm bar. He's looking handsome beforehand, a little salt and peppery, ready to talk about jujitsu. Raf, uh, do you think I could pull that arm bar off on you? No. Me either. I would tell you this. I think Especially you have good armbars. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have good armbar setups. Um, I would tell you this much, though is that Roosevelt Roberts felt very confident that he could shake Jim Miller off of him once he lifted him a little bit. And that proved to not be correct, as was evidenced by the snap, crackle, and pop that was heard very, very loudly on a microphone that made me beg for an audience to actually be back in the arena. Uh, Exact opposite. I am done with audiences at MMA fights. I don't have to stare at idiots in tap-out shirts. Sorry to those of you that love tap-out shirts. Uh, that was a generic thing for just, like, overly tanned people in very tight shirts. No one holding an Irish flag that's clearly from, like, South New Hampshire. And the big thing I don't miss is just that clip of Kevin James watching the fights every time understandable and i have to say somewhere out there there's a guy wearing an affliction shirt listening to the show that goes (laughs) thank god i'll never i love the stores in vegas when you go to the ufc stores (laughs) like they're just jacked full of memorabilia that you're like 
where the hell did they get this shirt from? <laughs> I assume it has a lot more Reebok in it now, but it had a lot of tap out and uh, affliction. But that's the thing. You know, Tito Ortiz would be rocking some sort of like, um, you know, Trump was framed as president shirt. Right, so right. this has been lovely. Right. And we um, got to hear the verbal tap. We, we did. And they're saying it now. That was big. Is it the Craig Jones? Does he have weight just flirting with the PSA? They heard about it in Hollywood. The studios got hot. ESPN was like, we got to release it now. Let Anna go. <laughs> so here's what I would tell you about the show. Um, the main event was not great. And it was not great in a sense that Curtis Blades said that he was going to give you a fight that you don't want to see. He's going to ragdoll this guy around, which true. He was out wrestling him. There was a moment where I said, could you work on your submission skills? Maybe if you don't have them. And I looked on his Wikipedia as I was saying that. And I go, let's see. He's won a lot of fights and none of them by submission. Oh, fuck. We're going to be here all fucking day. I get it. That's no problem. But Kevin, around the third round, you got this sense of him looking at everybody going, wait, I got to do two more of these? No. And his opponent started punching him to the point where I at home was saying, you better not lose this. Jesus Christ, you have been winning this in dominant fashion. This, if you're telling us was how it was going to go, you better fucking win this. And I don't yell that a lot at my TV, but it just you're and still, he did. I'm sorry. Did you flip to blades? Yeah, that was Curtis. Curtis. Blades. Yeah, but the punching still because Volkov looked pretty effing tired now blades i mean to your point in the after interview could barely he he was just like i don't know hold on shit so, <laughs> he looked like uh someone that was on day two of everest climb he just looked struggling but see you went that way i went a different way on air which is i said he sounds like a kid who's being interrogated by their mom after doing something bad <laughs> just kind of ah oh, Woo, he was fast. And I felt judged. Nice. I don't know if it was his reaction that caused me to be like, I thought it was a fun fight. I mean, I kind of wish you had knocked him out, but you look so tired by the third round. Thank God you were winning the Huggies. Because without that, I mean, and Blades knew it, right? He was able to yeah. take him down, hold him down. But <laughs> round three, hilarious change. But Volka was never able to get like, a real shot, never like a kick to the face or something he needs. I will tell you, Volkov would have become my personal hero if in round four, after carrying Curtis Blades for three, or excuse me, in round three, after carrying him for two rounds, if he had come in and really uh, the round four victory, I would have been in because yeah. three rounds of getting ridden <laughs> like he's <laughs> genuinely the new guy at practice or or just the first wrestling practice for any freshman or a white belt class. People are just not letting him go. But Volkov, if he had knocked him out in round four or five, would have become my personal hero just for the capacity. I understand. Tall Russian. I would just tell you this, though. Afterwards, he made this whole thing of being like, especially in his post presser where he couldn't breathe, was saying, oh, man, I mean, you guys see title shot from this. So who else is out there left for me? You know, and I'm like, uh, maybe a oxygen tank is out there as your next opponent. I don't I don't know, dude. And then afterwards, they asked Dana, they go, what do you see next for him? And he's like, 
after that performance tonight? Fuck that guy. What the fuck? What the fuck was he talking about? He better do better before we even think about giving him another one. So Dana was surly about that. Also, I don't know that you saw this. Maybe you saw this in the after effects of everything. But there was a promo for Fight Island because now they got to ramp that up. That's in less than a month. We're looking about three weeks away right now. And they are a lot of PR away from a successful (laughs) event. Absolutely. And guess what that video was composed of, Kev? What? It's not the fighters. It was literally 60 seconds of there's a lot of things going wrong with coronavirus. Yeah, we got to fucking do this. I'm not going to live in fear. It was a... 60 second promo about how great Dana White is with a flash of Fight Island. I have been strangely trying to find like a really good, I believe that this is going to happen for Fight Mm -hmm. Island preview. Like, because you and I have been on the, on the, early hot take that we are you're never that far from being fire island and you're never that far from being coachella you're just you need the right fights you need the right schedule you need the right planning you and i have severe questions about the ability to execute said experience from the ufc crew so i don't think we're gonna see fire island because dana's too rich and ultimately he picked the right country but I still feel robbed. I wanted luxury. Like, I wanted excess. Or I wanted <laughs> aggressive simplicity. Like, we're going to Cambodia. We got an island. Everybody's camping in tents and fighting like it's Mortal Kombat in the afternoon. It's going to be by daylight only. We're going to be drinking by night. Cameras are going to be rolling 24 by 7. Because I wanted an MTV-like effect. I understand that's bad for business. Sure. Well, get ready. It's coming. So that's one side. I do want to give some credit out here. Ratings-wise, Rafa, are you not proud of me, though? I'm thinking ratings. I'm not, I'm not even remotely yeah, no. worried about the integrity of the sport. Neither is Dana with something called Fight Island. Yeah, I got some bad news. My spidey senses have been going off, and I can't see this doing more than 300K. Like, Usman versus Burns does not scream must-see to the average watcher and international fight week is supposed to be it. So I think they're going to try and cajole this with, Oh, you know, people with the COVID, you know, it's the situation. It's fucked up. We gave you guys a great fucking fight card. Uh, So I've been trying to rack and see how much I think this is going to sell. And I don't know that my interest level is the highest as a person who doesn't watch this every single week. But since you and I are lifers, we're just kind of like, yeah, I want to see a fight. It sounds like a good fight. Sure. Burns, Usman's the best we got. So why don't we do it? Well, we're not going to um, see Blades versus Jones. John Jones is headed to a boxing ring, I guess. We don't know that. We just know that at this point, him and Mike Tyson are exchanging words in ways that we should have some kind of security code they have to press before they use their Twitter or their social media, because I I don't know what, like John Jones saying, Hey, yeah, I'd be receptive to a fight with Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson is looking for anybody to fight right now. He only says he'll do it. If he gives them an MMA fight as well, and then promises he won't hurt Mike Tyson too much. So, if you're wondering if 2020 can get more absurd, I present to you Exhibit AZ4. 
I like Mike Tyson's chances in both fights, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Uh, number one in a boxing match. I think John Jones going to get fucked up. He'll get lit right up. And in an MMA match, I don't know why Jones is so cocky. He's got to take him down. And Mike Tyson, we need to be very clear here. There's an HBO biopic that they did in the early 90s where um, Usman, his trainer, makes the joke. They're like, what have you been feeding him? He's like, Cocoa Puffs and steroids. Mm -hmm. Google early 90s Mike (laughs) Tyson. Watch him in The Hangover, part one. The man still got it. And I think in a boxing match, it's clear. But in an MMA match, I just don't I don't like the idea of giving Mike Tyson fewer rules, because <laughs> if you're if you're a aficionado of the sport or a casual rememberer of things that happened, he bit someone's ear off. That is even more cannibalistic than anything John Jones has ever done, which is an impressive statement it's for someone that rear ended a pregnant woman and abandoned hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash. That's fucking hilarious that that Mike Tyson is still like the guy that you see those two and you're like, hey, John, do you want to go out tonight? Like, let's go. <laughs> let's go hang. You do not want to hang with Mike Tyson. That is a yeah. fight I'm watching every minute of, Raph. I don't know how to vote for it enough. Well, speaking of a fight that you should be watching every single minute, Josh Emmett and Shane Burgos gave one of the best fights, uh, an early contender for fight of the year. And this was one of those fights where Josh Emmett, at the very beginning, seemed to signal something was wrong with his leg. Now, Kev, did you hear any more about this? Because it did turn out something was wrong with his leg. I'll tell you what I did hear about this, Mm. Raph. And it was from following a little news site known for its comedy and its late night coverage called verbal tap (laughs) you shared this information to a larger audience and i saw it as part of that larger audience which is both self-serving and a plug to say you should be listening along of course but following us at verbal tapcast on all the social medias i saw that he broke his acl while he was fighting oh that's not it here's the list this is from it's a list yeah. Oh, Number that's one, never good. Complete ACL tear. Number two, cool. MCL sprain with partial tearing. Heard Number that. three, Baker's cyst rupture. Don't know Number what that one is. Number four, don't either. It sounds like Baker's doesn't. You just get an extra. Doesn't sound good. That's rupture what it doesn't sound. You get your 10th one punched in. Uh, Number four, focal impact fracture of the femur on the lateral. Now, focal this just impact? sounds. Hold on. Focal, yes. This sounds like a John Madden play. Oh, you got a focal impact fracture on the lateral. And you go, huh? Just run fast is really what it is. And number five, uh, chondral defect, cartilage on the tibia, literally matching impact area. Don't know what that is, but a lot. So guy hurt. So, uh, But I highly encourage you guys to go watch that one. He won. That guy won, which is the part of Josh Emmett that doesn't make any sense. No. So that was super fantastic. Tough guy. Uh, uh, Raquel Pennington had an okay fight with Marion Renault. She was very, very crafty in what she was doing. Bilal Muhammad was really solid. Uh, Lyman Good wasn't that bad. So that's also a pretty decent fight. Let's just very quickly run you down. Bobby Green wins over Clay Guida in a kind of 
maybe. Yeah, uh, that I, fight. Well, I I was the way they hyped it. I was like, oh, these two are gonna. Someone's getting murdered. No, that was pretty. Is is it possible? I mean, Clay Guida's getting up there in both yeah. fights, age, and um, ability to get punched in the head. But they were just giving a lot of Bobby Green, like, oh, he's been so, he's really been getting some bad decisions, and it's like, um, that's kind of how he fights. He doesn't knock people out. Like, eventually, if you are a decision fighter, you're going to get multiple bad decisions. This was a pretty friendly decision because I don't well, know that this was a definitive fight either way, really. Yeah, keep in mind, he had his hands behind his back for most of the fight, which is a nice counterpunch thing to do, but it's always weird when you're sitting there going like, you can sit down, Mayweather. No one's asking for this. You can beat Clay Guida. I really believe if he was trying to do it, but I think the idea is to let Clay Guida kind of exhaust himself because we've seen his cardio go into places where into overtime. But Clay still was slamming him down a few times, and if you have a different set of judges – that could have gone a very different way. So I don't know that I feel super secure with it one way or another. Tisha Torres looked pretty good. Very dominant. Marc-Andre Barricot, very nice. Jillian Robertson, Kev, had a very nice glide from almost like that bulldog position uh, when you have somebody turtle up and just kind of glided into a rear naked choke on the opposite side just with a, a little good formation underneath the chin just kind of floated on the other side and then got the submission so give that one a look uh justin james god damn cool, devastating man. tko and uh just to let you guys know we have now arrived at the point where we should talk about the max roxoff well, cupcake loss motifari our friend yes um and murphy murphy beater in a decision, but I do want to hear your take on this. Were you watching live when this happened? Yes. S live. Was it weird? What was the call? What was the broadcast like? Because I mean, to give people some details, Max Roscoff versus Hubbard. It was a six days notice fight. Um, Max Roscoff was being cornered by, by Robert Drysdale. Someone we know we've, we've talked to, we've worked with a lot, but it's also someone who has been in the fight game since day one. Not like day whichever. He was here from the original. So he's an an OG fight-minded guy. But, Raph, if you want to give some, some context, I'm a little curious. Yeah, I'll give context and then we'll go into situations. So first and foremost, the first round, Max comes out there and it's an interesting fight. He's getting some takedowns. And I think even Rob was saying he was trying to go for a Boston Crab. And I know one thing about Max. I've interviewed him. I think he's a very cool kid. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about pro wrestling and I understand that's in him, but you know, in a fight, I think he's just trying to make some things work. First round goes okay. However, the judges don't score it that way. The judges actually have it in favor of his opponent, Austin Hubbard. Go to the second round. It's not a bad fight. And I think this is where a lot of people have some concern, which is it looks more like, yeah, Max is getting outclassed here, but he's still in the fight. Maybe he's a little tired. Maybe he's a little frustrated. And it's becoming more and more apparent that this might be a 10-8 round. And it was because all three judges had it as 10-8. Now, of course, the people inside the cage probably don't know this. So that can definitely change and alter the way that people are going to have an interpretation of what to do. So Max, when they cut over and the camera is right on them, 
if they ask if he wants to keep going kind of a thing, he doesn't even get asked it. Most people you would think would say, oh, hey, you, you look kind of rough. Are you OK? His body language looks sunken. He looked dejected. And Robert Drysdale starts coming in and being like, hey, man, get in there and try and wrestle him. And you hear Max say, call it. No, Rob, call it. Now, this is where things start to get a little interesting in the sense that he says it about seven or eight more times. And Rob is doing his best to try and inspire his student to get him back into the fight. Because in Rob's interpretation, he can still get out there and compete. He doesn't look like he's as serious uh, injured as some people would say, you know, Anthony Smith or somebody else to that degree. He's just thinking that he's looking really, really rough and that maybe just a little bit of a pep talk can get him back out there. Here's where things also get a little weird. Rob doesn't call the fight no matter how many times he's asked to. So they're about to start the third round. There's not really a ton of advice being given by Rob. The main of it, the main crux was go out there and just wrestle him. And what I think you're saying from my perspective was Max didn't have a plan anymore. Obviously, he was frustrated. I think that was apparent. But that what he was good at wasn't enough to take Austin out. And that that challenge for him was becoming problematic. So I don't know if it was cardio. I don't know if it's the five days notice. I don't know if it's previous injuries. I think he had a little bit, but nothing too great. It could be exhaustion. It could be a number of different things, but people were very, very divided or had critical opinions on if they should have stopped that fight. Fortunately, an adjudicator saw what was going on. So an officiant saw what was happening and looks over because the only person who can call it is the ref. Maybe a doctor stoppage, but in this particular scenario, the only person who can call it is the ref. So he kind of looks over at Max and he goes, hey, uh, do you want to fight? And Max says no. And then Drysdale says, yeah, we're calling it. So now we're getting into a, a scenario of things where what was the response time? What was the real response? What do you think of it? Do you think it's the right call? So I'll start with asking you, Kev. How did you see any of that playing out? Fighting is extremely difficult. And when you're getting pummeled, which he was, I watched, I watched. And I mean, you can make an argument the fight should have been stopped. So for me, we talk a big game about fighter safety. We talk a big game about ultimately trying to trust and and give them the respect not only to make decisions for their health in a negative way but damn sure in a positive way and i'll use some examples in some other sports but if you there are parallels in the nba this is ultimately why one of the biggest stars in the world Kawhi leonard was traded to the toronto raptors two years ago from the san antonio spurs he was sitting down a leg injury they said you're good he said it hurts so to me, it ultimately comes out to your body's your body. You're fighting. You took this fight on six days notice. You probably lost that fight in the second round, <laughs> certainly. But 
there's there's things that happen in these in these fights that really start to add up and for me anytime a fighter gets through a round and calls it I'm going to go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt because I don't know what's going on in his head. And I don't mean what's going on mentally. I, I mean the physical toll that fighting takes on your body. Sometimes you are simply not ready for it. Some Sometimes you just don't have the physical ability to rise to what's being demanded. And he said, I'm out. So that's how it goes. Because I can tell you this, there's no unsaying it. And that's the part that it was just like, look, the moment a fighter's like, I, I really, you got to call it. <laughs> it's like on six days notice, I'd be like, yep, that checks out. Guys, the fight's over. Thanks. <laughs> um, masks up, but this is not going great. And, you know, it's always difficult because it's not about what he did in the moment. That's not what anyone's debating. Everyone's only debating his future skill set now. His future ability to make money. And that to me, uh, is he a good fighter? Here's, Does he come back? Then let him fight again. If not, don't bring him back. Those are your options. Here's what's disappointing is that I think Drysdale was speaking about the fact that he knew he would regret this. And I've seen him in a couple things. I saw Drysdale come out on the offensive, I guess, on this because he put out a video and he said, I stand by my call. He's right, too. I mean, if he wants to, that's fine. I don't know that I stand by it uh, before beginning, middle, end, or in two years if I see this again. It's one thing if your fighter tells you once or twice. Around the fourth or fifth time, without a clear strategy, without being able to reach them, without being able to convince them, you're becoming less of a coach and more of a glorified cheerleader. And at this point, I think that somebody like Robert Drysdale is a very good coach. Obviously, Max sought him out. Max lives with him. You know, he's been living with Drysdale for the past two years. So that's a bond that I know a lot of us won't understand. What you might need to understand, though, is if this kid can't find it for himself on the stool, it's going to take a miracle-like amount of inspiration to not only make sure he's going to be secure and safe. Drysdale has contended that, yes, he was not seriously injured and that he knew that about him. Okay, cool. But... Just speaking statistically, he wouldn't have won. We're also talking about a five-day notice fight in which he's taking for $12,000 that is reported. Now, granted, that's a very big honor to have in the UFC. And he's saying, you know, it's the thing you always dream of. That's nice. But this gets into a fantasy element that is problematic and I think very, very interestingly disturbed about our sport, which is, oh, we have people calling him out and saying – he lost his will. He lost this. He broke. Yeah, okay. Maybe. I mean, maybe he just didn't have it right then and there. But he said this one that really concerned me when he was like, I don't I don't want to do this. And it made me worry. I was like, well, maybe he doesn't want to fight MMA. And that should be his choice. And of all people to have an ally in this particular one with, Kev, I was wondering what Dana White was going to respond. And he actually came out and said, is that what he said? Um, I mean, you know – it's okay to come and fight and then find out you're not it and that you don't want to do this. That's totally fine. I totally understand that. And to me, it's one of the few times the cue ball has ever been on the money in terms of there should be no shame in letting that kid decide he doesn't want to fight because the long-term effects of it are being really, really impaired if he got knocked out. And I think then 
it could have been worse. So you have people like Chael who are saying like, well, the thing is, he didn't actually fight, so I don't see anything wrong. Well, except for the fact that take Max out of the situation now. It becomes a what do we do about cornering? And most people will say it's a conditional thing, so it's not that problematic. There's not really a system or a set of rules for cornering. It just kind of exists. You can do it. There are things that they encourage you not to do or they say we strongly say we don't like this. But I believe Luke Thomas has a really good show on that. You guys can listen to that. But listening to Ariel then interview Robert Drysdale for a good 30 minutes, Drysdale was coming from the perspective of, hey, listen, he's my fighter. I know him very well. This is my thoughts. This is how I felt keeping him in there was okay. And yet we have a lot of people who seem to be like, hey, man, you don't know unless you fight, which, okay, that's great. That's a very nice way of sidestepping the conversation. But to me, I really think that that was a that was one of the times where I said, no, I don't necessarily agree with Drysdale on that. So, again, you can have all the due respect of somebody and say, hey, listen, here you are. Here's what you're thinking. Here's what you're doing. And yes, you have fought. And yes, this is your fighter. And yes, he might really, really be regretting it in the future. But at this point, you're talking optics. So you're talking about the optics of looking bad or the optics of you're going to regret doing this rather than the actual safety, which are two different concerns. So, yeah, I, I would say it was a very unfortunate moment. And here's what gets weird. To me, Kevin, that a lot of people don't know. Maybe some of you have never seen this kid compete. He is a guy who put Ethan Krellenston to sleep on the Shugio Invitational. He's a very accomplished wrestler. He is a very solid jiu-jitsu practitioner who has translated into a previously 5-0 record that I think demonstrates he's got skill. So, Max, I know... You're probably not listening, but if someone you know is listening or at some point you find yourself listening or someone passes this information on, I would say to you this. The world seems very weird right now in terms of collapsing on you. Everybody has an opinion on you. I might not even matter. You might hear this and say like, no, I was fine with what Rob did. Totally cool. It's going to be a little bit bigger than that in terms of how people perceive what a coach should or should not do. However, if you do continue fighting, and I think you should if that's what you want to do, just remember why you're fighting. You're not fighting for the people making it in the comment sections. Because if you are, that's going to really eat at you. But if you're fighting for yourself, you have plenty of talent and you have a future ahead of you that I think is beyond what most people could even understand. So it really just comes back to Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning. What do you want to do? And I don't know that the UFC will necessarily give him another chance right now. It would seem that they would be a little bit hesitant. Um, I would hope they would side on the area of caution and sense of, well, you know, he came on five days notice. Let's see what happens when he has a full camp, because that would seem fair. Um, but if not, and say he doesn't want to do MMA anymore, he was a really, really good submission grappler. So to everybody who's kind of been chiming in on this, I totally understand. And I think it brings up good conversation that I think we need to have on it. But to just assume that, one call is a very easy thing to make and that nobody should be able to talk about it is absurd. Yeah, I have to completely kind of agree. And I mean, that's kind of uh, well said, but 
It's. I mean, it's fighting's hard. <laughs> it's it is hard. Right no one of expects this to be fucking easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, and it's it's fighting's hard. And I'll remind John Jones and Mike Tyson of that when they go into the cage or the ring before we get to submission underground. Raf. Yes. Another UFC in the books. And what's the next one? The next one's Poirier, I think. Yes. June twenty seventh. Hooker. And Poirier this Saturday. Damn, they are really trying to pump out the events. The <laughs> UFC is like, it's just us. And only some of the <laughs> fighters have tested positive suck at college football. Oh, good news. I would like to point this out to you, Kevin. This was just released as we were starting to put all this together today, which there is an article that says, uh, sources, UFC to up testing for Fight Island cards. And the caption says, uh, including testing fighters post-fight. Which begs the question, you were? I didn't know that either. I thought they were testing everybody. All right. Well, you're letting people fight like three weeks late. Never mind. I guess they retook the entry test. Mike Perry's fighting Mickey Gall, so everybody just stop asking about the testing. That's, that's how they feel. June 27th, Las Vegas at UFC Apex. Raph, you and I watched the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Chael Sonnen produce yet another submission underground 15. This one featured a tournament. It featured Jessica. I, it featured Craig Jones winning again through some pretty serious Slytherin trickery. It's a Harry Potter joke. I want to talk about the tournament um, for all of our coverage. You should also please feel free. If you haven't seen it, go watch it and listen to our fight companion. You can find mm-hmm. it over at the grappling hour on <laughs> all sorts of things. Steel versus Varner Fowler versus Brooks Jimenez versus Bouchard Br- orchard Jimenez versus orchard Bradley versus Colvin. I put mm-hmm. orchard and Bradley together with <laughs> Bouchard for some <laughs> reason. Jimenez orchard, Bradley Colvin. Um, you've famously given Bradley and Colvin the nod for best match. I don't disagree. Why? I felt like the number of submission attempts between the two of them was pretty good for a five minute rounds. Plus there was a lot of equal back and forth, good positions, multiple areas. Um, I felt like Jimenez was just all over orchard. It was a little more one sided. Didn't mean it wasn't spectacular. I thought actually Jimenez is, uh, most interesting match was him versus Fowler in the end. Um, and Cody and uh, Andy had a fun opening, but to me, I still felt like in terms of diversity of attacks and just the way that the overtime was utilized because both of them were gunning for it. Like, I think that's the thing I'm looking for, for submission or, or for fight of the week is just two guys who are just literally trying to end the match as most as possible. And I really felt like that was the case between the two of them. I still, the Jimenez orchard match in round one, I I really enjoyed because anytime you can submit Nathan orchard, you have my respect. And that's where I, I kind of fell in love with Jimenez. I know he's been fighting a ton, but Colvin wins. Jimenez wins putting them in a matchup that ends with Jimenez submitting Colvin. Mm-hmm. That's effing difficult. Hunter Colvin is very hard to submit. He's very good at jujitsu and he's very <laughs> tough and ask Bradley. He's willing to toe you in the eye to win this, <laughs> win this thing. 
So Jimenez advances to the championship, and we'll go over to the other bracket. Steele beats um, Varela, and Fowler wins pretty convincingly over Brooks. Fowler ends up beating Steele in overtime, gets the submission. These are EBI overtime rules. We did a lot of debating and discussing because, one, Jake Watson doesn't like the EBI rules. Mm -mm. Doesn't have an alternative, but doesn't like the EBI rules. So Steele loses to Fowler and that was a close match. Cody Steele out of that powerhouse out there with Checkmat is um he's very good. And Fowler's mm -hmm. damn Fowler's tough. And Fowler proved it. He ends up submitting Jimenez in overtime to win the championship. Escaped quickly. Very difficult yes. to submit that guy. Yeah. And I asked uh Mason Fowler all about uh his win. Uh, on the latest episode of the grappling hour. So you guys can go listen to that. Just saying also found out mid interview, actually at the very beginning of the interview where he's like, I watched the whole thing. You guys were interesting. And I was like, Oh, you watched us. And he goes, mm-hmm. And then he yelled at me for not picking him as the winner to which I said, I let all of my panelists pick who they wanted to have as their Pokemon. I got the leftover, and the leftover was Roberto Jimenez. And to me, that's absurd. I told him that. And he goes, yeah, that doesn't make any sense why he was the last picked. And I go, I don't know. But either way, I'm glad that he watched it. Uh, we are finding more and more of the people are watching these things, uh, which we welcome. Well, luckily, I, I did pick him. Well, he... Everyone <laughs> bow down, because I was like, Mason Fowler's my guy. And I think if I remember correctly, he was correct in saying, uh, man, Kevin was really good. That was, yeah, that was awesome. I really like that. And I was like, well, I'm glad we said nice things about you. Yeah. And I don't know if he's seen any of the crocodile Dundee movies. I'm going to go ahead and assume that's a big no. Ooh, I would tell you this though. There is a conversation about Nair that happened on that broadcast that I would invite you all to go listen to. Absolutely. Well, congrats to Mason Fowler. Congrats. Who beat Jessica? I hold on. Let me pull up. Amanda this. Lowen. Thank you. Amanda Lowen beat Jessica. I and I am. You can hear me on the broadcast, but I'm always impressed with so we can beat an <laughs> MMA fighter. It's like, fuck off. I mm. can't. So it's and Jessica. I to me that match like it was it was a fun match. I mean, it wasn't wasn't specifically it was it was just kind of a positionally dominant. Nothing, nothing particularly close submission wise, but. Jessica, I fought in the UFC like a week ago. It's unbelievable to me. So I'm I'm in. Fuck everyone. If you can fight in multiple genres in a week's time, you a badass. <laughs> Whether you win, lose, who gives a shit? Just keep fighting. She's like, I'm, I'm collecting checks. So uh, props to her. That was epic. Awesome. And then... We got to watch the Kreger win again, this time in overtime. He didn't ruin anyone's future at walking, which is nice. <laughs> but uh, against Checo, he, he won pretty handily. Yeah, it was good for him. I mean, it'd be nice if Craig could submit somebody in regulation again. Mm. Boring. Now he's got to fight Mason Fowler. That one's definitely going overtime. And that's a rematch that is bringing back some uh, ADCC competition and i think that mason was telling me in the interview he's like hey man you know i'd love to get an actual adcc rule set one with him back but this is the next best thing because you know 
it's not going to be the same amount of time. The rules are a little bit different. So it should be interesting. And like I said, I think just on paper, seeing the two of them get a rematch uh, makes for some good, uh, good entertainment. And just to let you know, I believe I saw this go up as well. But it was uh, Jillian Robertson who won this weekend uh, by Rear Naked Choke at the UFC. She, I believe, will be on the next Submission Underground 16 where Craig is taking on Mason. And that is going to be on July 12th. Yeah, that sounds right. Well, looking forward to it as always. So shout out to Submission Underground and shout out to the many people building fighting things as a follow-up. Raph, as we close out, two minutes. What's going on with professional wrestling? It seems it seems like the amateur <laughs> first of all, no no greater need for people in the crowd to be there for you to make money. It's that right. it's shitty stand-up open mics. Those are the two <laughs> industries the most hit by by the virus. I'm I'm being uh, flippant and suggestive <laughs> and sarcastic. You can give us a little bit of an update, but it sounds like some things have, have hit my favorite sp- sport to hate a little rough. Yeah, it appears right now that there are a number of wrestlers who have come under scrutiny, and uh, you're seeing it AEW, you've seen it uh, WWE, you've seen it in a lot of the indies, and there's a movement called Speaking Out where they're encouraging any women who have um, faced any kind of adversity, um, attacking, or any kind of uh, sexual discrimination or any of those things, and and there are a number of cases, so a lot of people have started speaking out, and it's it's a tough conversation to have because a lot of these guys who are watching these uh, events who are fans go, oh, no, you know, I just want my wrestling back. And I'm like, well, you know, these are tough conversations, but they're ones that we kind of have to have, guys. You know, nobody wants to see anybody um, discriminated or attacked or, or, you know, anything to that effect. So. It has been a very, very unique time uh, to see all of that happening. And in some ways, it is good uh, to, to see a community of people speaking up and speaking out. But um, there's there's been a number of them, Kev. So that's why I was like, when I told you off air, I just go, every day it feels like you're reading something else and something new. And, you know, it's a lot of people sharing and there's been a lot of emotions. But, yeah, that, that's essentially what's going on and mostly the independent circuit, but also as at the top of the leagues as well. Is this a side effect of people wanting to go to these events, not being able to? I mean, am I right in the diagnosis that this is such a culture of the live event has such an electricity? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that the you know, it's been the one industry that's still been kind of producing events and doing all that. Some people aren't necessarily stir crazy from a lack of product. That and the American do... Cornhole League. Don't get, don't upset me. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, I think that you have seen some people say, hey, enough is enough. And there are a number of female wrestlers who have endured just really shitty things that you don't hear until they do tell all interviews way later down the line and it just always sounds absurdly abhorrent. So in a sense, it is nice that it is happening, but it's one that I think a lot of people have had a brace for really, really rough conversations around us. Well, more of those rough conversations to come. 
because mm-hmm. if you're following the return of some of the sports right now, it ain't going great. We've seen some of those impacts on the UFC, but we're going to see more because more things are opening up, more th- more entities are ignoring certain guidelines. So this this is going to be an interesting world where I think one of these cards is about to be dramatically hit. And I, I hope I'm not right, and I hope that prediction gets put on the cutting room floor, but I have a feeling it's going to be a sad, sadly soothsaying-like tale because – Every sport is getting hit where you continue to ignore the rules and accumulate. And it's getting more difficult because fewer places are following quarantine rules or, or even have quarantine rules in place. Meaning you see K-State, which is in Manhattan, Kansas, my alma mater, football team has been completely sent home because 44 cases in a day. You see it at Clemson. You see it across. And that's my concern as we get to Fight Island. Will... See, but as wrestling is showing, there's economic effects to this already, and every little part keeps digging in. So I hope I hope local wrestling gets kind of the um, the renaissance it will deserve as we exit this crisis. But I think it's going to be a little while, sadly. Yeah, I mean we're that's what I told people. Somebody apologized to me today for not sending me a note. Uh, during the quarantine, it was just like we were talking today and they go, hey, I'm sorry I haven't reached out to you uh, since quarantine's happened. I'm like, no one knows how to do this. This is new to a lot of us. So I don't think there's a perfect way to quarantine. So if you got one, you can tell me, but it's a it's a very strange thing. Well, Verbal Tap listeners, we have discussed some fights some John Jones versus Mike Tyson possibilities, and I can feel it in the air tonight. I am optimistic for the submission events. I am cautiously not optimistic for um, Saudi Arabia fight peninsula. We'll see if it's an actual hey, island or not. You know what? Let's leave the people on an upper real quick. Yeah. Here, here's the upper I've got for you guys. Uh, Paulo Costa demands $15 million to coach the ultimate fighter versus Israel Adesanya. So this is a twofold one. Number one, huh? And number two, Mr. Costa, are you at all aware that this show doesn't exist right now? And if it were going to magically reappear, do you think they would spend $15 million on a coach? Not even you, just a coach. Probably not. But I got to say, Kev, if you're wishing for the stars, 15 million. They could get 30 of the best coaches of all time for that, just as a heads up. That's so great. That's, That's a lot of money. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories. Verbal Tap fans, you demand $15 million. Get a BMF belt. Use that disposable income, <laughs> and we will see you next time. I am Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good night. <laughs> you have dialed has been changed. The new number is, please note, the new number is